please don't wait till it's too late. Call McIntyre Elder Law. Good morning on this Friday, the 6th of May, 2016. I'm Milton Baker, and it's my pleasure to introduce Greg McIntyre, our host for the Elder Law Report for this Friday. And good morning to you, Greg. Hello there. She fly. Go home. <laughs> yeah, we got a we've got a visitor. He always shows up about this time. <laughs> uh, it's a pleasure to be introduced. Yes, sir. Are we live on air? We are. We are on the air. And it's, uh, it's It always amazes me. We're on the radio. Mm-hmm. 16 counties. Love doing the Elder Law Report. Been doing it for about a year now. Um, coming up on, I was looking. We've done tons of shows. Uh, was, was looking at some of the blogs. We were looking at maybe 72 shows, something like that. Uh, just a ridiculous number. We're going to have to do something really special for the 100th anniversary. Uh, 100. You know, I'm going to buy you a cake. Oh, okay, yeah. I like I'm baking you a cake. Hey, carrot cake, German chocolate carrot, cake, okay. uh, either one. German you know, chocolate. I'm, I'm happy with either. Either one is good for me, okay? Yeah. So I'll bake it. We'll I haven't had German chocolate in a while. Okay, German chocolate it is. Okay. All right. All right, so so uh, thank you, audience out there. We have a very special show, as always. We have Reverend Dr. Terry Floyd with us today, and he is a Hosman's Veterans Coordinator. Chap and chaplain at Hospice Cleveland County. Terry's been a chaplain at Hospice Cleveland County for nine years now, and uh, uh, and this you know, hospice in other counties that are listening are going to have very similar services. So we're going to talk about the chaplain services that hospice provide right now today, and we're also going to talk about some upcoming events and other things that you can participate in that may be very special and relevant to your experience right now. So, without further ado, welcome. Thank you so much. It's welcome, good Pastor Floyd. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. I hope you are. I'm doing well. I, you know, it's any day above ground is a good day. That's, That's what right. I say. Okay? That's right. And anytime <laughs> I start whining, you know, and and uh, and thinking that, uh, you know, things aren't going well or, or uh, you know, um, you know, ah, woe is me and, and, you know, get down in the mouth, as maybe my grandmother would say. Um, I remember, hey, I'm alive, I'm breathing, there's a lot of people in worse situations than I am. That's right, great. And there are. So so that always brings a smile to my face. That's yes, why sir. I always try to say, hey, I'm doing great today. That's right. Even if I don't feel well on a day. That's right. We have some folks who can't dress themselves, Right. can't go to the bathroom by themselves, so we are doing great today. Great, yes, even if I don't feel well one day, okay? Right. Which, which every once in a while, you know, I'm not at the top of my game all the time. But uh, if I say it, if I, if I, if I, the more I say it and believe it, the better I feel. That's and right. That's, it, it's just odd, the power of the mind, right? That's right. And uh, so, so life is special, uh, and uh, everybody above ground today listening, uh, uh, celebrate your life today. And that's what we're going to talk about. So you've been a pastor for 12 years at the same church. Is that right? Uh, yes, sir. I was. Yes, sir. Okay. And then nine years with hospice. That's right. And now you've. You've taken on a bit of a new role with the uh, We Honor Veterans Program. Is that right? That's right. And I'm very excited about the We Honor Veterans Program. It gives us a chance to to serve our veterans and tell them one last time how much we 
care and not only tell them but to show them how much we care absolutely not just not just lip service but back that up with actions yeah greg because every soldier has a face a name a unique experience Uh, they have had triumphs and victories during their service to our great country and so it gives us the opportunity to, to serve them and as we entrusted them to take care of us now we want them to trust us in taking care of them to take care of them yes yeah. sir yeah and and uh so let's talk about your your general uh chaplain duties uh not that they're mundane they're just different from the veterans role you've taken on now in addition to your to your uh chaplain duties but but you know you've been uh uh, uh doing this this chaplain thing with hospice for for nine years and that's to me amazing because that has to wear on you that you know hospice is taking care of 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 patients out there who in home right and that's right and uh who are not always in the best of conditions uh physically that's right and and uh and you're coming in to offer comfort solace uh spiritual relief to not only the patient but the family as well that's right and in my experience in dealing with hospice workers who are all amazing they are ministering or caring as much for the family as they are for the patient that's getting treatment. That's, that's correct. And you probably are, in, are no different. Is that right? That's right. And uh, I would add that we go into the home, but also we go into facilities as well. Uh, in, the, uh, in the counties we serve, we serve Cleveland, Gaston, and Lincoln County. And we go in and serve them. We serve the patients and the families. And... Uh, y- you know, the questions asked many times, do we serve the patient more or the family? I would say it's equal. We serve them both. Uh, depending on the family, they may have a different need of what they, uh, what we need to give them. So we meet them where they are. We always say they're the captain of the ship. They're the captain of the ship. And now first, I, I, talking about it wearing on you or, or me, you know, for nine years, that would seem like, I mean, I've, as an attorney, let me relate it to what I know, because that's all I can do. Um, I have worked as what I like to call a door lawyer for a long time before I was an elder lawyer. And that was dealing with criminal law, civil suits, divorces, tearing families apart, you know, using my talents in ways that I was not always proud of. And at the end of the day, was very stressful for me and wore on me over a number of days that compiled day after day after year after year. And that's why a lot of times trial attorneys will check out early. They will they have, you know, really high rates of suicide, substance abuse and early death because it's a stressful job. And, it, and, and I had to develop ways to cope. Luckily, I had a great church family. I had a great wife who supports me and love me, loves me. And I had a reason to really work hard every day and show up, right. which was our children. First, I guess when I became an attorney, we had two children and now six. So mm-hmm. daddy's got a reason to go to work, even if he doesn't <laughs> feel like it. And I've whined and complained and moaned. And my, wife, my wife's the kind that'll tell me, to pick myself up by the bootstraps and get out the door and go to work. I need right. to make a living, you know? 
and she should. I need that support. That's right. Because right. sometimes I'll whine or, you know, man, it was going to be a tough day or, or come home whining about it, you know. And I'm, sh- you know, but an elder law is a little bit different. It's a feel-good area of law for me. Right. Okay. Because I help people. And it's a win-win for the families. All right. Which I love that about it. But it took me a while, a long time to find my way to that path. Yes. And I had to develop coping mechanisms to deal with my job every day. I would imagine that it is sometimes overwhelming the job you do day in, day out with, with patients. Am I right? Am I wrong? You're right. Uh, I deal with grief, death, and dying every day. And it's hard seeing people die, but it's even harder to me to see the heartbroken families. And I try to care for that by realizing that God has called me to this vocation. And I call it the sticking stuff. If it wasn't for that simple element, uh, there have been days that I probably would walk away and not want to come back. But I love the job that I do because I don't see it as a job. I see it as a ministry. And so in trying to uh, make sure that I take care of myself and my coworkers and staff, because I'm not only charged with the responsibility of taking care of patients and families, but also the staff at Hospice Cleveland County. Right. So... Uh, one of my one of the things that I try to do, Greg, is to when I I know my day ends mentally when I get into my truck, and my truck's a little loud. I've been told that it roars the seat of the secretary when I pull in the driveway. But whenever I start the truck up, I know my day's ended there, and I'm going home. When I first started hospice, it wasn't that way. I couldn't sleep for three weeks because I would see dead faces and eventually over time that that uh, went away and uh, my supervisor even she has a coping mechanism and I love it she said when I walk in the door and place my keys in a bowl and I hear them ringing then I become a mother and a wife and I separate myself so there we do have to have boundaries so that we don't burn out but going back to the divine appointment of the vocational calling is what uh, my main uh, thrust to move on is all about when you say calling that really resonates with me i feel like what i do is also a calling and i can look back on my life and see everything that kind of led me to the point of what i'm doing right now yes, um, so 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 i think that's great to have a calling that's what we all need yes um, so and what you do is amazing and uh so moving on to how you offer chaplain services to uh to hospice patients and families so you go in home, right? Yes, sir. And, and how do you make that initial contact with the family? Well, we always call before we go out. And uh, so when we have permission to go out and visit, we walk in. And uh, when I first came to work at hospice, one of the questions during my interview was, what will you do with a family when you first meet them? And my answer was simple. It was to develop a relationship. Mm-hmm. So when I walk in, I, I am invited in, in onto holy ground, uh, into their home, so I tread very carefully and delicately uh, to develop a relationship with folks. And I know this may not make sense to a lot of folks, but it's kind of like going to a mechanic. When you pull your car up, that mechanic can listen to what's going on with that motor and determine a diagnosis of what's going on. I know that some of our patients, some of our patients live long enough we discharge them from our care, but also there are some that are not going to be with us long, and I don't have a lot of time in cases to 
so I have to expedite the development of a relationship uh, with these folks. And I do that by listening to what they're saying. I look around on their wall to see if they have any religious artifacts sitting around, Bibles, if they do, if they don't. I listen to what they're saying, what they're talking about, where they have no peace, where they have concerns, uh, if they have ambivalence with family. Uh, and we can't fix every family, but we do our best to pull families together, to pull uh, pastors in, and our pastors are great in the community about uh, servicing their people, but to pull everyone together so that the person, uh, when it comes time to take their last breath, that they have as peaceful and good a death as they can have. And I know it's strange for us to say, well, to have a good death, and that's hard to talk about, but uh, there are deaths that are not so good. But uh, I have to say, in my time with hospice, uh, I've only been around one situation that was, uh, it was, it was just a different spirit in the room is the best way I can describe it. And it was scary. So, uh, but our nurses do a great job of uh, pain management. They're experts in what they do. Uh, our social workers are fantastic and reaching out. They, they uh, get to know the patient and with our veterans, they also do their military checklist to to know that veteran, and uh, so uh, our grief counselors, uh, CNAs, I'm going to tell you, our patients love our nurses and CNAs. They're the ones that keep them out of pain and, and uh, clean, but also a new study's out now that says that um, the, one of the major concerns at the end of life now is the psychological and spiritual aspects. So we try to offer a balance of taking care of the physical, spiritual, and psychosocial of our patients and family. Absolutely, absolutely. So, so um, sometimes you know you go in. Would you say who needs your services the most, the patient or the family members? Well, the patient is in most cases uh, has already dealt with their illness and what they're going through, and they're more realistic than the family. And so, some depending upon the family. Uh, uh, I would say the family mostly, but then again, if you have a patient that, uh, I had a patient one time who cried every time I walked in the door. I felt so bad because the chaplain represents death or dying. When I make a telephone call uh, to follow up with a caregiver, first thing I've learned to say is everything's okay because they're going, what's wrong with mom or what's wrong with dad? So I try to be very careful in that area. Okay, okay. And so what, what are some, I bet you you've experienced just tons of different uh, uh, stories and, and uh, well, situations over the last nine years. Are there any, without naming names or, or anything, are there any that you could share with us today? Uh, well, <laughs> uh, I'll start off with one. Uh, uh, this just the first one comes to my mind. I met this lady and her family and, they didn't live in the best of conditions, but they were the most precious family I've ever met. She was lying crossways on her hospital bed. Her pain was uh, controlled, but if she moved a lot, it was she was in pain. And she invited me to come and sit on her hospital bed and lean back on a ton of pillows. And we uh, sat there or lie there for quite some time just talking. Good, good old down-to-earth folks, and that's what I am. Uh, 
uh, just an old country boy, and uh, we lay there and talked. And uh, so I got a call back the next day and uh, went out there. She was actively dying. And on her di- uh, bed where she was dying, she called myself and her husband. And she had talked previously about her husband being the most kind gentleman that she had ever met and how good he was to her. And uh, she proceeded to tell her husband, I want you to meet the chaplain. said, he's just like you are. He's one of the most kind and gentle man that I've ever known in my life next to you. And I just had to turn around and walk out of the house. It broke my heart to know that someone on their deathbed fixing to take their last breath, and she died within four hours that day, thought that much of somebody like me. Uh, that's one story that comes to mind. And, oh, here we go. Uh, I've just debated telling this one or not, but we had a family who was just great. When I first met him, he he had a problem with his lip, and he slobbered really badly. And, and uh, when I first met him and talked to him about the second or third visit, he wanted to make things right with his God, and he did, and we prayed. But come to learn this family loved to talk about flagellation and his days in high school and it's okay to laugh i need i need some support here yeah absolutely <laughs> uh to uh so uh he liked to talk about that who so, doesn't like to talk about that come on uh, i well, started that in kindergarten <laughs> <laughs> and never stopped That's right my right so anyways it brought them comfort and joy to talk about his times in high school and the home and his mother would was this caregiver and would talk about how how really bad it was at times and they would laugh until they cried and I was reminded of a, a country song that says we laughed until we cried and every time I left that day we would the social worker and I would and the nurse sometimes would we would just shake our heads and laugh about what this this patient who was dying and he was with us for about a year and a half but he loved to talk about this issue and it just brought him so much comfort so we met him where they were and I'm an agonizer, so I agged it on as we went through, and uh, that was a, a story. And I'll share one more to sort of bring it back down a little bit. Uh, we had a veteran to, under our care passed away not too long ago. And as I walked in, he shared with me how Hospice Cleveland County had shown him more respect than anyone had in years for his service to our country. Uh, we took him a reef, a uh, red, white, and blue reef that one of our volunteers makes. And uh, we talked and made a connection. We talked about his service, and he was a man of faith. And here he is in a wheelchair, and I start out the door after we'd had prayer, and he saluted me. And myself, being a, a, a former soldier, I snapped to attention and saluted him and walked out with tears in my eyes that someone who was on their last leg of this life would salute me. And it just brought a camaraderie between the two of us uh, that he started requesting me to come out and visit with him almost every other day. And and so that's a story that will hold dear in my heart and burn in my mind until the day I'm gone. That's a great story. All those are great stories. And uh, including the funny story, right? That's right. Um, and but that's, hey, I mean, in that grim situation, if the family, accompanied by the chaplain, 
who's bringing spiritual services there and 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 talking about uh, about uh, about those issues with the family and peace um can also have some comedy have some levity you know that's in right. their lives and in, in that situation to cut through that's great and you talked about meeting the family where they are if the family deals with issues like that joking you can go you can go down that path too you're a jokester right. too right that's right that's right and and if they want to be serious you can uh, you can accommodate that but you i guess you you're very used to rolling with or fitting in situations like that yes, especially sir. going in those stressful intense situations uh, you've got to be that's right you've got to be so so yes let's talk about the new role we honor veterans program okay because that's where we ended was a veteran story where you took a patriotic wreath out there tell me about that what 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 is the uh the veterans program and and how does that work differently from your regular chaplain duties sounds like um you're just really making sure that those veterans are honored um as they may not might not get that full honor or feel that from the rest of the the uh citizens and community and family throughout their life you make sure they they feel that um when hospice is involved is that right that's right I think it was about 2010, the National Hospice and Palliative Care Organization uh, started this program, We Honor Veterans, and it's simply a way to say thank you and make sure that our veterans know that they they were and are appreciated in this life. And as I took on this role, Greg, I've learned that one out of every four deaths is a veteran. In other words, 25% of our 2.4 million deaths each year is a veteran. So we have... Uh, 680,000 veterans a year who die, and uh, so puts us about 1,800 a day passing away and leaving us. And so those are strong statistics uh, that we deal with. And only 33% of our veterans are enrolled in VA uh, service, which means about 67% have a lot of uh, things that uh, are benefits that they may qualify for such we talked earlier about aid in attendance or or funeral uh, rites and rituals or grave markers and uh and uh things of that nature uh they uh also qualify uh for back pay and pension and but it all depends upon the veteran what war they served in what era uh if it was service connected or not service connected and by those terms i mean service connected means if they're uh uh, disability or their illness was a result of being in the armed force of being in war or something and non-connected means that it wasn't uh, we had a patient the other day we were trying our social workers really do a great job to try to get all the help they can for our veterans and found out that one guy he was receiving aid and attendance but couldn't receive any more because his illness was not service connected so we had we'd done all that we could but the Veterans Administration was helping them greatly. And I've met with Deborah Kahn at the VA here on Marion Street sure. in Shelby several times, and they're there to serve our veterans, and that's our main resource. So if our social workers don't know, they go there or um, to an elder law such as sure. yourself. Sure, absolutely. Yeah, Deborah, Deborah does a great job helping veterans uh, in Cleveland County, and every county out there will have – a representative, I believe, um, in their county, or should they do uh, that? Uh, 
that veterans and families can check with about benefits mm-hmm. programs, things of that nature. Uh, you were speaking about veterans aid and attendance, and veterans aid and attendance is a uh, lifelong benefit that if you qualify in a, in a health care crisis, um, a, you, you get paid a check that can be used to pay for in-home care, assisted living care, nursing home care, adult daycare, for any service like that. And for two married veterans, it's up to around twenty-seven fifty a month. For a single veteran, it's uh, or or for a veteran, only one of the couple is a veteran. It would be seventeen eighty-eight per month for the veteran, and it goes down from there. It whether you know the spouse of a veteran can qualify, the spouse of a deceased veteran could qualify. That's right. So so you know that's a really nice benefit. That is not advertised because VA does not have enough resources to get it out there, okay? Right. Um, you know, it, that, that people need to know about. That's right. And there are so many benefits that, well, what blows my mind is 67% of our veterans are not enrolled or signed up, and they may not even know. We had a patient that came under our care uh, a couple weeks ago, and they were veterans, and they were asked, well, have you applied? And I said, no, why not? And they just didn't know. They had because they tried. don't know. In That's fact, right. I've had people sit down with me in my office, and I've had to convince them that veterans aid and attendance benefits are a good thing, right? And a real thing that they don't believe it. They're like, "Is that benefit really available? And can I be eligible for it?" Right. So I'll pull up, you know, somebody off the news. There's a three, you know, five minute news piece out there that maybe. CBS News or one of the big news organizations did a few years back. I'll pull it up and show it on my my flat screen television in my conference room and say, "Here, I'll let the you know Ted Koppel or whoever it is tell you about it." Right, right, and, right. Uh, and and they're like, "Oh wow, you know that's a real benefit." And I'm like, yeah. "Yes, it is." But you know, Deborah Khan and the the VA reps they don't have the resources to really broadcast that information throughout the counties and that's to right. everyone. And that's what so that's one reason I do radio shows like this yes, sir. and events, even speaking to hospice, whoever it is that'll listen right. about everything that veterans could be eligible for or seniors could be eligible for. And that's one thing that we're trying to do is also educate our patients who come under our care and the community. I'll have to say uh, that in uh, taking on the new role of the We Honor Veteran program at Hospice Cleveland County that... Uh, I've had the opportunity to meet some great people with the VSOs, which are the veteran service organizations, such as the uh, American Legion or the Veterans of Foreign War. Um, I've been involved down at the Post 4066 uh, in Shelby, and they are just great people willing to help uh, Hospice Cleveland County in any way we can to reach out to the uh, veterans and to make sure they're getting what they need. and. We are currently working on putting together a veteran-to-veteran interest group so that we have our uh, veterans, some volunteer veterans, going out to visit with our uh, veteran patients who all have unique needs, uh, which we talked about earlier in the program. So I've had the opportunity to meet some great people, and everywhere I go, it's uh, appreciative. I don't think that you can go wrong talking about veterans. I agree. I agree. You know, we want to help all our seniors, um, but you are taking on this new role. We honor veterans program and implementing that through hospice. Um, do other hospices out there in the other counties in Western North Carolina, do they also have a We Honors Veterans program? 
Are we on our veterans program? There are, uh, there are, they do. Not all hospices have done that. Uh, I'm thinking that uh, the statistics I saw was a little over 100,000 hospices have participated in this. But not only hospices, but we have uh, uh, funeral services in the Gaston uh, area where we serve that is actually a, a level four we honor veterans. Uh, when I came into this, we were at level one, and I turned in two weeks ago the paperwork for level two, so we're working on our level three now. Uh, and what that simply means is it's some guidelines set up in place that allows hospices and other organizations who become involved in this to stay focused on our veterans and to learn more about the veterans uh, and to do more. For example, I have, uh, uh, in, in obtaining a different level, I need to do so many presentations within our staff, within the community, within VSO organizations. Uh, I, need to be, I need to stay in contact with our local VA, state hospice. Uh, so it's a, there's a lot of work, a lot of footwork in getting out and doing these uh, things uh, to earn the levels. But it's not all about earning a level. It's all about caring for our veterans and making sure they get what they need and deserve the honor and respect that they deserve so greatly. You know, there may be uh, people out there right now listening who are wondering, hey, how can I get in touch with you? How can I have this, uh, this gentleman or this program come out and minister to my veteran, the veteran in my life, the, the one who may be suffering from illness right now, who needs to be honored and needs to, to care, be cared for? How can someone get in touch with you and your team? They can just call Hospice Cleveland County at 864, I'm sorry, 704-487-4677. Once again, that's 704-487-4677. And our receptionist will put them in touch with the person that they need to speak with. Reverend Floyd, can you tell us, do you have any upcoming events? Yes, we do. We have a veteran-to-veteran interest group that's coming up, going to be held on May the 24th. That's a Tuesday. We have two separate times at 10, 10 a.m. and uh, 5.30 p.m., and we do this so it's convenient to working folks if they work. But this is a, a veteran uh, uh, for our volunteers, but it's specifically related to veterans who want to volunteer for veterans because a veteran can have something in common with another veteran, and we're, we see have already seen a good response of some uh, men and women who are going to be involved in this. That's great. That's great. So, so uh, love love to see uh, uh, see tons of veterans and others participate in, in this and other events that you have coming up. Um, I, you know, I appreciate you, Reverend Floyd, coming on the show today and uh, talking about just really digging deep and talking about the seriousness uh, of what you do and and the awesomeness of what, what you do and what hospice does and honoring veterans and helping seniors um, and others as they go through, and families and their families as they right. go through health care crises. Yes, sir. So thank you so much for being our guest today. And thank you, Milton, for having us. Oh, yes. I appreciate that. And I'm Greg McIntyre. I'm the Elder Law Guy. And this has been the Elder Law Report. Each week we will bring you important and informative information that seniors and their families should know and need to know. So tune in next week where we'll bring you another great show. And if you need to get in touch with me, the elder law attorney side of me, or my office, 
you can call us at 704-259-7040. We truly believe in, try to, and do help seniors protect their assets and legacies. And as a kid growing up, I loved every Perry Mason black and white rerun I could get my hands on. And I watched them growing up, even at play school in the TV room. They'd put on the television, and it'd be Perry Mason reruns. And I'd lo- I love Perry Mason and Andy Griffith. I've seen every one of those ten times. And, man, he would just take that prosecutor to the cleaners every <laughs> single time. They could have let him win one time, don't you think? Yeah. No, no, no. Never? Perry had to. All right, so in the spirit room. of Perry Mason, yeah, let's honor him by playing us out. Okay? okay. Thank All you so right. much. And thank you, folks, for tuning in. We'll see you next week right here next Friday morning, right after the 10 o'clock news and weather.